Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this week's UFC prelims card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Bloody Elbow fight analysts Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. We're here talking about the least inspiring UFC card so far this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, UFC Fight Night Song versus Simone, which sucks because there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five fighters on this card that I really like and enjoy. And one fight on this card <laughs> that I really like and enjoy. And it happens to be at the very end. Not the end yeah. we are currently headed towards. <laughs> yeah. We're here right now talking about the prelims uh, for this Apex card going down on April 29th. And uh, with a featured prelim bout between Martin Boudet and Jake Collier. And... Uh, uh-huh. Oh, Boudet. Right. <laughs> Can they get Michael Bisping? To, is he going to call this? I hope so. Because that is literally exactly how he pronounces the word buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Boudet. Uh, I want to see him. I want to hear him say Martin Boudet's, Boudet's name a million times. Is it Boudet? Boudet? We don't I know. I don't know. Who cares? We don't know. Who cares? He is the latest guy who looks like he could be an okay heavyweight if he can slowly fight himself into shape over the next half decade. He's he's pretty good. I mean, yeah, he's fine. He's yeah. he's perfectly competent for a for a a, a mid card heavyweight. Yeah, he's, he's our next. Um, oh, uh, who who is the Brazilian guy that's been losing all the time lately? That's the, uh, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but the uh, the one from who lost to Czech Congo and Bellator. I suppose I can just look up Czech Congo. Luis Enrique is that the no, guy? No, no, come on! Right now in in UFC, I don't know. You think I'm paying attention to Czech Congo's Bellator fights? And just you know, uh, uh, where is he? Am I wrong? <laughs> This is great. This is the intro to the episode. By Augusto way. Sakai. There we go. Augusto Sakai. He's in Bellator now? No, no, no. Back in Bellator. He fought in Bellator a bunch before the UFC. Oh, he left, okay. lost to Czech Congo in Bellator. All right. I see. Wow. Well, I'm so glad we got to that name. But he's, he's our latest Augusto Sakai. Okay. You have to, um, in future, I'm pretty usually pretty good at helping you find a name. Mm-hmm. Do not lead with he was in Bellator. That's not going to be helpful information for me. I'll be like, uh, Patricio Pitbull? That's the one I know. Um, <laughs> Heavyweight in Bellator, Aaron Pico? <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Um, anyway, he's he's fine. Uh, Boudet is fine, honestly. He is. He's, a, he's a pretty solid heavyweight. He's got all the durability required, as far as I can tell. Yep. 
He's got some power. He's got a little bit of form. Yep. No pace, but you know. Yeah, no pace, but it's you know it's still a it's a reasonable pace. He certainly cranked it up when he needed to against uh, against Lukas Breschke. Um, and you know at least was like putting the pressure on and trying to make exchanges happen. I, I find it to be a perfectly competent heavyweight. Yeah. Um, Jake Jake Cutlier is a different kind of competent heavyweight, which is like he's crazy enough. Yeah. Um, he it's packed the cat energy of of light yeah. heavyweights moving to heavyweight. Yeah, he doesn't have right. anything else other than the energy. Right. But man, does he get the? Is he looking like a dad these days? Yeah, but uh, yeah, what, what he lacks that Boudet has, which is a, a really the main thing aside from the chin that I think makes Boudet appear so competent, is is he can't sustain his any anything that wins him a fight, he cannot sustain it. Yeah, but what he has that Boudet lacks is a wicked slow-pitch softball home run swing. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Boudet. Can, can Boudet take the, tra- take the transmission out of a go-kart and fix it up? I don't think so. Jake Collier? I bet Jake yeah. Collier can. That's, that's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, there won't be a there won't be a softball field or a grill anywhere in sight. Yeah, unfortunately, um, I, I just think that basically that they I should I've have had... somebody grilling cage side for heavyweight fights. They really should. Just a couple brats on the grill, get <laughs> them between rounds. Be like, <laughs> just cramming sausage and sauerkraut into their faces on the stool. That would be really good. Yeah, it would do for them what that they bring out and put next to the stool. It would do for the average heavyweight what like orange slices do for like say soccer kids. Like mm-hmm. it, it would be really useful. I think we would, the fights would improve <laughs> dramatically. Really I mean, you know, all those dudes got the meat sweats anyway in there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that bas- basically that Boudet is going to weather the Jake Cudlier storm. Yes. And pretty much anybody who can do that beats him. Yeah. Um, and even, a lot of people... even, uh, man, even uh, Chris Barnett weathered yeah. it and yeah. beat him. And Barnett yeah. is the most undersized, limited game heavyweight out there. Yeah. So so having the durability and having, um, the if not the ability to push a crazy pace, at least to sustain the pace he, pace he does push. And the giant test. Yeah, I think that's enough for me to pick Boudet. Like large S, but you know. Yeah. No, I got you. Okay. Fo- focus, Zane. Focus. Yeah. We got. I'm... We have four. We have five fights to talk about. We cannot spend this long just making jokes about heavyweights. <laughs> I mean, I'm willing to try, but no, yeah. <laughs> I, there's just nothing to talk about with this. We, you, you broke it all down, Jake Collier. It's everything he does is either a path to instant victory or a path to slow disaster. Yeah. The only time it hasn't been is against uh, John Volante and Marcel Fortuna, guys who just, they could not exert themselves without exhausting themselves more than him. And they could not in any way match any pace that he was setting, no matter how tired he got. I guess Chase Sherman also beat him. Or no, he beat Chase Sherman. That's right. But 
Yeah. Otherwise, every time, every other fight, it's it's been you know Andre Arlovsky, Carlos Felipe, Devin Clark, even. Yeah. He's when he, no matter how strong a, a start he has, he's just not going to maintain it, and he's he's not in any kind of shape to maintain it. If no. Martin Boudet is the kind of fighter who has who who, who could potentially with the extra money fight his way into heavyweight shape over time Collier Jake, has Jake Collier has eaten his way into heavyweight shape yeah he he was a middleweight in in a perfect world Collier is probably a middleweight by today's standards yeah at well he's 63 so okay he's a he's an unathletic light heavyweight in a perfect world yeah and he just he got hurt and he put on weight and now he's a heavyweight and he's got the the fun and the confidence to be there but he does not have he, he doesn't have the fitness to fight that way to to carry the weight he does back at, at light heavyweight he was a dude that would just go nuts for like 15 minutes yeah and it's not that guy anymore so yeah, you got to take Buddha here. It's 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 not a. It seems like an easy pick to me, and I am shocked now to see that the odds are dead even. Buddha apparently opened around. Well, and I'm a little confused. Cloudbet. Cloudbet has him currently at minus one hundred, and Collier at minus one hundred five. But if I click their actual line, it has. Boudet opening at minus 140 and currently about minus 130. And Collier opening at plus 126 and currently at minus 115. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with those lines. But they're basically dead even across all the board, across all the sites. Maybe, maybe the services just can't handle the sheer volume of bets coming in. Maybe they can't. The people are clamoring. Like, I mean, this this one has yeah. been hotly disputed on the message boards. People maybe, can't stop talking about Boudet versus Cuddlier. Maybe they just can't handle the sheer like volume of fighter coming in. <laughs> yeah, this is too hefty for 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 betting. Yeah, what's is the it, rule again with heavyweights? You get the line, you subtract their weight, or is it? <laughs> You just the line is is half their weight. It's plus the fifty. It's the chonk hedge. Yeah, is what they they you know what they call it these days. Uh huh. For the internet kids. All right, All right. We're, we're done with that, right? We're done with that. <laughs> yeah. I just don't. Know, I don't know why Boudet's not a clear favorite. I don't. I don't really see this as a competitive Jake Collier fight. I do. No one cares. True. Okay. That's why he's not a clear favorite. No one cares. Not the UFC yeah, the fans. Not the, not, line, the, not the odds makers. The the line opened with like there's been movement to get it close. That's the thing I don't understand. I I think they just it's a glitch and just nobody's bothered to fix it. Sure. Okay. That's fair. Flyweight fight. Cody Durden. Charles Johnson. This is actually a, a decent fight. This is a decent fight. This one. These are both like interesting fighters. They have some meaningful wins. I have no idea. Again, flyweight fight on this card. You still buried this on the prelims. Yeah. You couldn't even make it the featured prelim. 
No, we need Marco Sergio de Lima, Waldo, Cortez, and Costa. Wow. What? <laughs> this is like one of the only half interesting fights on the entire card. Yeah. What's so, he doing here? I don't know. Cody Durden, uh, he has, he, the basic game is there for him, and I think he's learning how to apply it. He started out as a dude who very much had like a, a fundamentally basic wrestling game that he was marrying to a boxing game that he was in really in love with. Yeah. And not a lot of people could really take him off that game regionally. So it didn't really matter that, you know, he wasn't the most athletic dynamic guy out there. Mm -hmm. And then he got to the UFC and he swarmed Chris Gutierrez for a round and then got beat all the rest of the way. Yeah. And then he tried to swarm Jimmy Flick and got immediately submitted. And then he said some racist things about Aori Kilang, I think. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly. Yep, that and, was the one. And then Mohamed Mokayev went out and uh, subbed him too really fast after he tried to swarm him. And then he went out and beat J.P. Bays and Carlos Moda. And I think, I think those lessons kind of solidified more that he needs to be a little more cautious about how he approaches his opponent, although Bays he put out pretty fast because Bays is not very good. Yeah. I mean, at no point during all of this has he looked like a bad fighter. No. Is he just... Durden is clearly a very strong wrestler and has more than enough like meat and potatoes boxing to complement that. Yeah. And he can fight at a really hard pace um, and can actually like, I, I still think the, you know, uh, everything except the post fight comments and the Aurichi Lang fight was a, yeah. was a really solid performance. Yeah. Uh, really like was. he actually built a nice boxing attack on Aurichi Lang with his jab and uh, was finding some counters and it was a really pretty rock steady performance all throughout. Yeah. So the question here really is, can Charles Johnson remember that he needs to pick up the pace and set it fast? Yeah. Because Durden is going to probably bring the pace to him. And can Cody Durden take Charles Johnson down? Because he's really, really hard to take down. Yes. Johnson's takedown game is great. His, his takedown defense is great. But against, uh, oh man, Ode Osborne. Yeah, Ode Osborne or Ode Osborne. He just did not. He found the urgency later, and I would still, you could still argue he won that fight. But he did not find it out of the gate. No. Part of that might be that Ode Osborne is as long as Charles Johnson. And that that really just confused him from the jump because Johnson is really much more of a step in and set a pace inside in the pocket kind of thing. Osborne also, he made damn sure he was the one to start fast. He started even faster yeah. than he usually does. Yeah. And and with weapons that made it difficult for Johnson to to answer back because what he was really doing more than anything early was kicking the shit out of Johnson's legs. Yeah. It was a smart fight from Ode Osborne, really. Yeah. Yeah, 
And, and, and Johnson did battle his way back into it. I mean, he, he basically took the kicks out of the equation because he realized he had to pressure and had to extend the exchanges. It was a fantastic fight. Yeah. I wish I, I wish I could watch that fight 10 times in a row instead of this card. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. Durden is not going to do most of that. No. He's going to start fast, but he's going to look to start fast with punching into takedowns. Yeah. So then the question really just becomes, do the takedowns work? Yeah. Because if the takedowns don't work, then can Durden win a fight on the feet with Charles Johnson? And his boxing is its not bad standing, but it is a lot based on his ability to wrestle behind it and to, to give you that interchange and that threat. And without the threat, I would think Charles Johnson can handle it and get the win. But, you know, there is always that specter of the fact that Charles Johnson in the past has been a fighter who doesn't win rounds. He didn't win rounds regionally so much as he just found moments to win fights. You know, he would have a competitive, slow-paced kickboxing bout. He might be losing for two rounds and find a knee in the third. And uh, that is, you know, that's something he's got to correct at the UFC level to, he's got to keep correcting at the UFC level to win here. Yeah. And, you know, Durden's uh, problems in the, in the past are not, uh, they're not getting knocked out. He can be submitted because his, his wrestling is so aggressive. Mm-hmm. And he's been submitted several times. But Charles Johnson is, um, you know, he's got two submissions on his his record. But it's not what he goes to. Yeah, I I mean, I I lean Johnson here because I think one thing you can count on is, is that if somebody brings an insane pace to him, uh, even if it takes him around, um, lately he seems to meet it. Like, yeah, for all that he was just a neutralizer earlier in his career, he recognized very quickly he could not afford to do that against O'Day Osborne. Mm-hmm. And even though it was not like a lot of his other more recent fights where he has been like pressuring and dogfighting people from the jump, he had to get extremely scrappy and he recognized that and he did it. Yeah. Uh, again, like he, he started countering his way into exchanges that he was then extending. He started putting more and more pressure on Osborne to take the kicking game away. He made the adjustments um, quite quickly. And I mean, it was the, the fight was basically incredibly difficult to score because there was yeah. one super clear round for Ode Osborne and one very clear round for Johnson at the end when Osborne's pace completely fell off. And then in the middle, they were battling for the initiative, and it was not yep. clear who won. Um, but he made the the appropriate adjustments and finished strong, as he he always seems to do. Yeah, he's just, super super difficult to take down, as you said. Like he gave Muhammad Makayev hell. He basically had to win that fight by stalling him against the fence. I mean, maybe um, Durden can try some of that. I, I could see this being a fight where, you know, we're talking like Durden comes out, get, grabs the initiative early, yeah. and then 
they have a really close second round and Charles Johnson comes back late to take it, you know. I can imagine it. Uh, that it could absolutely, it seems to be a pattern that Charles Johnson is probably going to experience several times. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to lean Johnson with you because I think he is more likely to sustain the kind of striking offense that will win him judges, win the judges over. Yeah. But, you know, Durden is uh, not not to be overlooked when he's not fighting a grappler. Basically. Yeah, for sure. All right. Odds on the bout. Johnson is uh, the favorite. Opened at minus 195. It's currently at minus 130, so odds are tightening in a hurry. Durden opened at plus 173 is currently at plus 120. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Those odds, I, I think they should be tight. I think Johnson, you're really looking at a Durden likely wins round one. Johnson likely wins round three. What happens in the middle? Who knows? Mm-hmm. And in a small cage, too, then you've got to consider like the like the, the increased likelihood that Durden could just press Johnson on the cage for extended amount of time. Mm-hmm. All right. Woman's bandwidth bout. Stephanie Egger, Arena Alexeva, and uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh huh. Hi. <laughs> this is the UFC fight. Yeah, I mean, I you know, like they got to do what they do for he- what they've been doing for heavyweight at women's bantamweight. They do go out, get every woman who's winning fights, just do it, put them all together, run them through the gauntlet, see what shakes out. If you're gonna have that division, you got to go collect everybody. I think that's what they're doing. I know it is. You got to do it, but I mean, it, sucks. it makes for fights like this where. These women both have the exact same insanely limited game. And, uh, I mean, I'm just going to steal your thunder and say Stephanie Yeagers is much more uh, solid at the moment. She's, like, stronger and harder hitting. and Her judo is much more technical. Yeah, she has a takedown game. Yeah, Russian Um, Ronda Rousey here. Uh is very much she gets to the clinch and you can see the starting idea of a slick judo throw and then it's just like a bullying drag to the mats yeah oh that is literally her nickname russian ronda yes oh god yeah they really somebody did her somebody did her a little bit of a favor in the very early stages of her career and they should now change that nickname now that she's in the UFC because it will do her no favors. I mean, there's no way she's Russian Ronda because Ronda was like a standout judoka for U.S. judo. Yeah. In the Olympics. Like Russia has good judo. Uh, yeah. Good judo fighters. It's because of the way she looks. It's not because oh, okay, of great. great judo skill. I mean, she look like Ronda? She's not really. Yeah, but you know, she's like kind of cute and kind of <laughs> does judo and 
or so like that's it yeah great um great as much thought was put into that as as was caitlin chukagian's nickname blonde fighter yeah um yeah no i i think i i agree with you in spirit they should do with women's bantamweight what they should have done with heavyweight which is end it (laughs) (laughs) no more (laughs) you know yeah. Our producer said she looks a lot like Ronda. Our producer, uh, unfortunately, has a crippling case of face blindness. <laughs> this chick does not look like Ronda Rousey. I think no there way. are angles. There are angles. Maybe. <laughs> okay, we've been sent a picture. Hold on. This is more interesting than the yeah. fight, so I'm going to look at it. No, that's the one on Tapology. That's, yeah, yeah. She does not look like Ronda. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> We're not going to fight this out. We're not gonna fight. We're not gonna fight this out on the air. Whatever she does, she doesn't fight like Ronda Rousey, and that's the only thing that really. She she strikes like Ronda Rousey. Um, well, <laughs> yeah. If Ronda, she strikes like Ronda Rousey. If Ronda Rousey weren't so confident in her striking. Yeah, yeah. Because that was kind of the trick of Ronda Rousey. Was that it really was? Yeah. She really would go after people standing. Yeah, she bought that Edmund Taverdian gas. Like she was, she was really sold on all of that. That mm-hmm. he was turning her into an elite boxer. Um, yeah, I'm taking Egger. I mean, Egger is, Egger has been in a ton of really difficult fights. Um, largely because she she's she's gotten by for a long time with like a one-handed striking game. And just being like big but slow and very hittable and having to get to the clinch and not having a great way to get there. Uh, she has been in there against uh, quite a few quality fighters who have just dragged her through hell. And one thing that has always impressed me with Edgar is that she is insanely scrappy. She does not go away. Um, she will continue trying to make her fight happen for as much time as she is given. And I don't think it's going to be difficult for her to make her fight happen this time. I think she's going to yeah. have a really easy time just sort of flailing her way into the clinch. And I think she looks significantly stronger than Alexeva. Egger is a big, powerful woman. And, um, yeah, I'm going to pick her. Yeah. That's it. Alexeva kind of has, she, she has, she, she's got a big frame, but she has the, the kind of body type in women's MMA that I I think is like, we've talked about this a bit where it's, I think it's really hard. Yeah. Where it's actually really hard for them to build the core strength to be a physically dominating fighter in tie-ups. Yeah. She she's got the she's got the female version of um of uh uh oh Chris Dow- Kyle Dowkow's body. No, I was gonna say who who's the last samurai? Oh, I uh, God, yeah. Why am I forgetting his name? You know who I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got she's got the female version of his body. Yeah, his body yeah, type. yeah. Uh, she's just like zero core Louis strength. Smolka. Luke, yeah, Louis, Louis, Smolka. Louis, Louis Smolka. Yeah, yeah, just like an anti-core strength type of yep. frame. Where it's like, there's like a there's lot of abdominal space there, yeah. but it's actually just so thin that there's not actually like a lot of muscle. To, you know, you want the the, the core strength comes from dudes like Merabdvajvili, who basically have no no core no no torso at all. Yeah, you know, it's like a just a a little brick with a head and arms and legs. You know, Edgar is built like Holly Holm. Yeah, yeah, she actually looks like a pretty seriously. She's tall, but she looks strong throughout. Yeah, 
I don't so. know. It comes through in their fights. I mean, it's just Alex yeah. Ava is not a very impressive fighter. No, when she ties up with people, like I say, you see the beginning of like, oh, here's a judo throw, and then she just does not have the strength to actually toss somebody around. Yeah. She's just quite cumbersome. All right. Uh, odds on the bout. Egger is a big favorite here. Opened at minus 290 and has stayed just right about there. Alexiva opened at plus 247 and has also stayed about right there, which is fine, honestly. I wouldn't normally make it so wide for uh, somebody like Stephanie Egger. But yeah, Egger, you know, the people who beat her tend to actually be other really scrappy physical fighters like Tracy Cortez and Myra Buena Silva. Mm-hmm. And uh, they otherwise have the exact same game. So there's not really a point where you can see Alexiva just bringing something to the table that will make Edgar uncomfortable, like any form of striking at all. Or there was her, her fight back in her Invicta days against Alexa Connors, who just like put a volume boxing game on her. Yeah. And that was, you know, still only enough to win a split. Well, I mean, she definitely won that fight. I've seen it a few times. I scouted Edgar once back yeah. in the day. But, uh, yeah, it, it looks nothing like the way Alex Sava fights. No. All right. Uh, that would have brought us to Brian Kelleher versus Journey Newsom. But Kelleher has be- apparently been with- pulled from the contest with a medical oh. issue for which he was deemed ineligible to compete. I don't know what that is. He said, I'll share more details soon hopefully it's not some kind of brain scan thing because that can be a career killer yeah or a heart issue or something like or that a heart issue. yeah but uh well the good news is uh that was one too many fighters that i knew yeah or cared. i might have cared a little bit so that brings us instead a uh, very last minute signing marcus mcgee Stepping in on two days, three days notice to take on Journey Newsom in a fight that will almost assuredly at that point be very ugly. Unless unless McGee knows exactly what he should do here, which is just blitz the hell out of Newsom. Yeah. Just go absolutely bananas for the first five minutes and you know, burn all your gas, go for broke, see what happens, because you didn't have any time to prepare, but Newsom doesn't know anything about you. And that's the best you can do. Otherwise, uh, you know, Newsom, uh, McGee, he looks all right as a prospect. I mean, he's a little old. To be a prospect, he's only he's 32, having just started his pro career in 2020. Apparently, he first went turned to amateur MMA in 2012, so had just been sort of taking amateur bouts for years before finally deciding to go pro. But that also means that he has a game that looks, if not like the modern meta. And like a not like a high level meta, it looks well trained, you know. 
He throws uh-huh. his, his strikes with re- good form. He has really good timing and distance management on his his strikes when he throws them. Yeah, he doesn't so fling himself off balance every time he throws. When he gets more comfortable, he can put some short combinations together. Yeah, and we saw him just like in his last bout, just hit a spin kick that was just perfectly in range right away. Has a really good idea of where his distance is right away. Uh, he really likes to walk in and just kind of pressure without volume and take pictures. So he definitely will just walk right up to somebody and get punched right in the face because he's just walking into range, getting ready to throw a big, hard single strike or combination without setting it up and without any real... You know, he's, he's the kind of fighter that wants to plant his feet and puzzle out something heavy to hurt you with mm-hmm. and is not really concerned about anything that's going to happen to him while he does that. And, um, I mean, that could, in a, in a vacuum, that could beat Journey Newson, who has really had to go through several iterations of his MMA game yeah, he came to the UFC as a guy who had trained a lot of boxing and still was not a good boxer. And so he got beat by kickers and then knocked out immediately in back to back fights. Like basically he came in as a boxer, got kicked up by Ricardo, Ricardo, Ricardo Hamos, and then got. Uh, did he actually knock out Domingo Pilarte? Um, that is not information that is currently stored in my brain. Uh, he... Damn it. No, usually Tapology says. Yeah, I've got the wiki up. Uh, yeah, he knocked out Domingo Pilarte. And then what and, did he pop? What did he pop for? Uh, I think weed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nothing we should have cared about. Nothing that should have taken a win off of his record. Yeah. And then he got knocked out really bad by uh, uh, Randy Costa. And when he came back two years later after an injury, he came back with a volume back foot kicking game. Uh Uh-huh. And that was enough to beat a boxer in Fernie Garcia. And then Sergey Morozov just wrestled him off his feet for it. Yep. He came back with a game that appears to have disconnected him from all the other stuff he was able to do before. Yep. And so it's really tough to know what he's going to do now. Because yeah. he's basically broken what he used to do. And... Now he's got a style that he's not that well suited for. That fight with Fernie Garcia was not good. Yeah. It was not a good performance. Uh, let me see. What what was this? The, he landed 57 of 143 strikes in that fight. It was just ugly. And of those, let's see. Yeah, I don't know. 
It was just bad. Yeah. So that being where he's at, um, I, I mean, I'm going to take him because he's not coming in on no notice at all. Yeah. I guess that that style could make this just a kind of challenging matchup for one strike at a time from uh, McGee. But McGee has really good time. He'll throw a lot of really like a jump knee out of nowhere or a lunging hook out of nowhere. And if he can just time that really well, and if he can blitz Newsom early, he can put him away. Yeah, I think that is um, more than like, not likely, more than possible. Yeah. Plausible. Um, yeah, one avenue for, for Newsom into this fight should be his wrestling again. I don't know how well that's set up, but um, McGee is like he, he's not as young as you think he is, given his fighting yeah. style. Yeah, he's 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 not as old as you think he is, given his face. <laughs> he looks like a fifty-year-old, but he's, he he's definitely he is definitely forty-eight, thirty-two going on forty-eight. Yeah, <laughs> um, but he has the. Um, defensive wrestling and grappling of a raw athlete Mm -hmm. which is to say it's quite good it's actually very difficult to penetrate the first layer or two and to to actually get him off balance um and he's pretty good at like scrambling out if you do get him off of his feet because he scrambles immediately and he scrambles really hard yeah um what that means is giving his back instantly Mm-hmm. So there is an opportunity to uh, catch him by surprise with the level change. Uh, I mean, this is exactly what happened in his um, his uh, his fight with uh, who was it? Uh, Rafael Donascimento, mm-hmm. where he was pressuring, he was looking good, and then he got run all the way across the cage with a double leg. Sort of went down, popped back to his feet with Nascimento on his back. Um. And then slipped out of that, but Nascimento sort of like awkwardly suplexed him and jumped on his back, and it was basically a slow process from there of getting submitted. Um, once he actually got stuck in the compromised grappling position, he, you know, there was no explosive way to save himself, and so he kind of just got methodically choked out. And, yeah. um, you know, Journey Newsom can probably get to those positions. He has certainly hit a lot of takedowns and banged some control time on people before. He does have a pretty solid, like, rear naked choke wrestler jujitsu kind of game. Um, and, um, you know, I think he, he, he probably he can surprise McGee with a takedown because McGee will be coming in on, like, three days' notice and probably flying in from another country to do it. Uh... Or no, really? McGee. I thought I don't know. I thought for some reason I thought McGee with his strange name was Brazilian. No, no, because I've never seen McGee spelled like Indian clarified butter. <laughs> he, he's an he's an MMA lab fighter. Okay, okay. So you know he's in the region that takes that off the table. I guess still super short notice. Man, MMA lab that makes total sense too. Yeah, he has exactly the kind of athletic takedown defense and scrambling that all the MMA lab fighters have, like regardless of level. Um, yeah, but I, it's just the short notice more than anything, even though I have not found nuisance. Um, no, I don't like, I don't like to see a fighter with a, with a game that they are breaking 
yeah. entirely to try and rebuild. That always yeah. gives me pause. Yeah. But it's just the short notice and the fact that really the fact of McGee being so willingly slow paced uh, really makes me feel like this is just going to be two guys circling and picking at each other one shot at a time. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually kind of have a feeling, I mean, like John Crouch is probably going to tell this dude to go in there and just go for it. I, I kind of have a feeling he is going to try to gamble and just take Newsom out. Yeah. Which could work or it could just, you know, yeah, you'll just, He'll try it. He'll gas, and then Newsom will win the next two rounds off grinding and yeah. control or whatever, and he won't win. So I'm just going to take Newsom to win on the short notice. But it's not, you know, if you're Newsom, I wouldn't be happy about taking this fight, frankly. No. Because it's not going to get you anything, and your opponent looks like he's actually dangerous enough to win. Yeah. And so would Kelleher have been. I mean, yeah, but the Kelleher dynamic is, I'm describing is quite similar to a Brian Kelleher fight. Yeah, but Kelleher is at least like a veteran who's been around for a while that people are familiar with. Right. You know, McGee is just some dude. I yeah. you get paid either way, but yeah, if you if you're trying to build towards something, this does not build towards anything. We don't have any odds for this fight because it just got made. All right. That brings us finally to a woman's bantamweight fight. Haley Cowan, Jamie Lynn Horth. <laughs> and man, my speech impediment was just made for that. <laughs> right? Jamie Lynn Horth, you say? Yeah, Jamie Lynn Horth. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. I love Horthies. <laughs> um, I, yeah. What is why have we been cursed to have to break down Haley Cowan three times now? I know. For and we no haven't fights. even had the displeasure of seeing her fight yet. It really is. The what pain. the fuck? <laughs> why, why do they keep making us talk about Haley Cowan? I don't care about Haley Cowan. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I don't care. This is literally the third time in as many months Yes. That we have had to break down a Haley Cowan fight. I'm just going to assume that Jamie Lynn Horth is going to die on the way walking to the cage. Yeah. She's going to suffer a, a catastrophic stroke, and Haley Cowan will be booked for another fight that isn't going to happen next month against Ray Borg. Well, you know what they say, Connor. What's, what do they say? They shoot Horth, don't they? <laughs> Jamie Lynn Horth. Um, she, she looks like a bully. She, and like she, a decent she, one. Yeah, she looks pretty solid, honestly. She, um, she's she got like the striking of, uh, of a more confident Lucie Pudilova. Uh -huh. She just sort of like flies into people just winging yeah. wide right hands at them. Yep. Um, it works pretty well because she's all but all too happy to crash into the clinch. Yep. And, she looks uh, like she's actually a good clinch fighter. Yeah, she's pretty solid. She's got a really grimy, 
uh, underhook head position, just lots of pressure, kind of uh, cage clinch style. Some hard elbows and, in there too. Yeah, she throws very hard elbows. Um, she does a good job controlling wrists and framing. Um, it just looks like miserable to tie up with. Mm-hmm. And then this sort of feeds naturally into a ground game where what she really wants to do is to like ride her opponent and work them with her free hand. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to pick her over Haley Cowan, who is like all effort and uh, sunny disposition and uh, not much else. She's not very skilled. She's extremely raw. She has proven that she is very scrappy. She's just like the new Paige Van Zant, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really Paige Van Zant vibes. Yeah, like they they got a you know a, a blonde with a great smile, uh, who's like a competent athlete, but really just nobody has done her any favors in equipping her with a functional MMA game. Yeah. And Jamie Lynn Horth is she's like putting yeah. lie to she's putting lie to the whole GSP idea that that uh, gymnastics is the best base for MMA. Yeah. Right. Because she was a great gymnast, apparently, and she fights like she didn't grow up training to fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know? She fights like she just won't, goes out there and expects to be able to be physical at people, and that will be enough to cow them. Yeah. Or horse, or horse them. To cowen them or horth them. She wants yep. to horth people around. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It might be enough to win because the backbone of horth of horth's game is really just uh, it, it is her physicality. You know, it is her ability to control people once she's tied up with them. Yeah, and if Cowan is just too strong. It could break the whole train of what works for Horth. Yeah. Um, but oh, also, by, the, by the way, she's she she has the last name. She's from Canada. She should be Jamie Lynn Great White Horth. <laughs> right, Great yeah. White Horth. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh. no, 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 Bob and Doug McKenzie fans out there. Come on. Or or what about the like the Mountie? What about the Mountie? Well, she could her nickname could be the Mount the Mount. The Mount. No, the no. mine is a great cultural reference and it works with her name, the Mountie. Well, because she mounts people. No, because well, they're mounted. They're on horseback. That's oh, the whole point okay. of being a Mountie is you ride horses. All right, I Come don't on. know. I'm getting right. off. I'm getting off, I'm getting off the horse thing. Okay. All right. We're done with the horse. <laughs> the thing is, is I I'll can pick. I can tell when you're saying her name. It's it's not the same sound. I know. I'll I'll take horse as well. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's just the violence in in her game that isn't there for a Cowan. So yeah, it it is hard to pick Cowan against anybody who. Seems like they could try and hurt people really regularly throughout a fight. Yeah. Uh, Cowan open or open at minus one hundred nine is currently at plus one twenty eight. Horth opened at minus one hundred one and is currently at minus one forty two. All right. 
To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast Network production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, SiriusXM, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Music B, RSS Radio, IMDB, and now also found in your app store on apps such as Downcast, the podcast app, iCatcher, Podcruncher, Podbean, and more. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get brand new shows throughout the week, including the Care Don't Care Podcast, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post-Fight Show, Crooklyn's Corner, the Sixth Round Retro, the Show Money Podcast, the MMA Depressed Us, exclusive fighter interviews, and the return of the MMA Bunker.